Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. In a way that was surprising to me, I grew up in the South and like people don't talk about like their poop or their warts in a social setting. But here I am like literally at a barbecue and people are like, you know, my gas has been really, really smelly. Is that a Chinese medicine thing? And you're just like, <laughs> okay, let's go with it. Let's make this happen. So that is to say you're living your normal life. You're just doing whatever you normally do and whatever social capacity you normally would do it. And you talk about what you do. 
And this just feeds itself. And I'm not saying that any of the people from that barbecue are going to come to your clinic on Monday, right? But they now know a person and a name, and maybe you even gave them a card, right? Whoa, getting crazy, giving them a card. But maybe you did. And if something comes up with them, or even more importantly, anyone else they know, they're like, actually, you know, I met a guy at a barbecue who was talking about fixing gas with herbs and like, you know, you're pretty gassy, so check it out. <laughs> um, and that sounds a little flippant, but I think that it's, in our experience at Root and Branch, that has actually been the real deal for us. Like everyone talks about how word of mouth is the best referral. Um, and I, I can't underscore that enough. Welcome to the Sprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. I'm feeling pretty good about this podcast. This one turned out to be really interesting and fun, and is filled with all sorts of inspiration and tidbits of information for new practitioners. I really encourage you to listen to the end. I recently had this slight conundrum when I was prescribing myself a bulk formula. I, I have a small little medicinary of about 140 herbs and prescribed myself a formula that had both futsa and renshen in it. And I couldn't decide if long cooking, long boiling them together in the same pot was a good idea or a bad idea or why it would be a good idea or why it would be a bad idea. What could happen and what could, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Bottom line, didn't know. And I hit the books and I couldn't find the information and I got online and did searches and I couldn't find the information. So I caught, so I contacted my friends at Root and Branch in Portland, Oregon. Now, Root and Branch is an herbal medicinary that serves all of the United States, actually, with herbal prescriptions, and they deliver them to the patient's door. Those prescriptions can come in the form of raw herbs or um, granules, and they also have the ability to make pretty much whatever you want. They also treat patients in in their in their clinic as well or store. I knew that they'd have the answer. So I, I gave my friend Travis a phone call. And what ensued was this long conversation about being a new practitioner. And I was fully curious and asked him a million personal questions about how they got from being students to having this really cool and inspiring practice slash medicinary business. And he was very forthright and open and awesome with all of the information. And so I invited him onto the podcast because I was inspired and I want you guys to be inspired. And he's also a natural teacher. Now there's two Travises because I also want to give a shout out to Travis Cunningham. Ultimately, we had to decide based on schedules and my baby sapling editing skills as a podcaster that it would probably be easier just to have one of the Travises on. So Travis Kern came on, Travis Cunningham. We'll see him in the future, I think. So Root and Branch would like to extend an offer to the AccuSprout listeners, which is, I think, a very generous and exciting offer. They're offering a $25 store credit when you open a new practitioner account. 
On top of that, because I went digging, <laughs> they're going to offer you guys some really great customer support. When you sign up with your account, you're going to get a series of emails. So don't delete them because <laughs> they explain to you how to navigate the system because you're going to utilize a system called Herbascript and it takes a little tinkering. It's a, it's a baby system that you're going to have to learn. The guys really want you to understand how to navigate and make it as easy as possible. So they're offering also, if you are challenged, which I was because I'm tech challenged all the time anyway, to set up a time to help you out, to walk you through it. And I also know that they will answer the phone and help you if you're having trouble with a formula, if you're a new practitioner. So please, this is such a great resource. Who else are you going to call and ask for help on your formulas occasionally? You know, we all try to do it ourselves all the time. And these guys are super awesome. They're there to actually help you noodle through occasionally if you need help. This is specifically for my listeners. I'll give you guys a link in the notes or you can go to the website resources page where I have other offers for my listeners as well. If you want the answer to the Futsa slash Renshen question, you're going to have to stick around to the end to find out. Without further ado, I introduce Travis Kern, one of the founders of Root & Branch. Welcome to the show, Travis. I'm so excited to have you here. It feels like years since we've chatted, and it really is. But Yes. And it's so great to see a familiar face because we're recording um, visually as well at the time. So welcome to the show. Why don't you tell my audience who you are and a little bit about what you're doing? Thanks, Stacey. I really appreciate being here and being asked to come and, come and chat. Um, so yeah, my name is Travis Kern, and I, along with another Travis, uh, Travis Cunningham, run a Chinese medicine pharmacy and clinic in Portland, Oregon, called Root and Branch. Um, we are the Travises. I'm here representing the two of us. Uh, a lot of cute names go along with that. Travi, Travis Squared. T2. T2. Travis is a sufficient. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, of course, you and I went to school together. Stacey graduated from OCOM a couple of years back now and uh, have been in the process of building a private practice and a Chinese medicine pharmacy uh, for our own patients, but also for the patients of practitioners in Portland and across the country. So we have an online-based system that allows us to work with other people. So that's been a really interesting sort of dual business that we've been building these last uh, almost three years. And I, I have been watching, actually, from afar. We haven't actually chatted until recently, so for my listeners. But I've sort of really gotten interested in seeing what my cohort was doing um, and who was doing what. And because you guys know when you're in school, you're, well, maybe you don't yet, but when you're in school, you're a completely different person than you come out to be. It's such a <laughs> It is a transformative experience. That's so amazing. And so I really like... Um, kind of tapping in and see, seeing who's doing what and what they've created. And I, I knew that Travis was doing root and, or the T2s were doing root and branch all along. Um, and as soon as I started this podcast, I knew that I was going to have them or one of them on to talk about what they've done because talk about a huge endeavor. Um, you guys will have to go check them out online and everything will be in the show notes, of course, but such an amazing website, such an amazing service, so many great things going on there. Can you talk a little bit about what Root & Branch offers more specifically? 
Yeah, of course. So when Travis and I were in school, we really resonated with herbal medicine in particular. Um, you know, everyone's got a story about how they get into the medicine. And for me, it was a route through herbs, Western herbal studies and et cetera. So I kind of knew ahead of time that herbs were going to be important. But then in school, OCOM's program, as you know, is pretty herb centric in a lot of ways. And so we learned a lot about it and I was just really drawn to it. And, you know, we learn about all these amazing things in school in the textbook, right? Like you've got your decoctions, your tongs, you've got the sans, the powders, you've got the wands, the pills and the, and the extracts and the oils and all of these preparations. And then you start practicing even in the student clinic and OCOM has a really robust medicinary. So we were fortunate in a lot of ways, but then you get out and practice. And what you realize is that there's basically granule herbs, pretty much, you know, I mean, there's sure there's some like patent pills and some hand, you know, some stuff, plasters and things like that. But the the breadth of medicinals that are available is fairly limited if you're just a, a regular practitioner looking to buy some stuff. So Travis and I knew that we wanted to have more access, firstly, for our own patients. We're like, I want to be able to make classic tongs, classic sans, wands. I want to be able to use the medicine in the way that we learned about it. And unfortunately, we, we didn't we didn't see it out there. Um, so we decided uh, to do it ourselves, which, you know, it's kind of our way. Like if I if I can't uh, find what I want for my patients, I'm going to figure out how to make it ourselves. And that was the genesis of root and branch as a concept, which is to say we're going to be seeing patients clinical side, but we need to build this pharmacy side, this medicinary side as well. So we can use it with our patients. And then, of course, if we're going to go through all the trouble of building it for our own patients, we might as well make it accessible to other people, other folks who don't have the inclination or the time or the resources to build their own pharmacy. So in terms of what we offer, uh, Root and Branch's pharmacy side is a, uh, I like to describe it as a, as a complete Chinese medicine medicinary. So we have over 350 bulk herbs. We have uh, the same, actually we have more granule herbs because we carry uh, many, many, many whole formula granules, you know, where they cook all the herbs together and then make the granule as opposed to mixing from singles. We make our own line of wands. So I literally hand roll honey pills myself after having ground them into powders. We make a line of classical sans. So that's the powder version of the herbs. And we have information on how to use those and dose them and treat patients with them. And right now we're in development for making a series of topicals. So we're working on making our own, um, you know, liniments, a lot of people out there are probably familiar with Jingu Shui and Posamam and other, you know, famous brands of liniments, um, which are great products. We carry those too, but we just wanted to be able to kind of customize for what we see. Um, and so ultimately the goal was to just create as many of these classical forms of medicine as we could. Um, and that's that continues to be a large portion of our mission so that there's more stuff out there. Because if you wanted to buy wands, the honey pills, for example, really hard uh, time finding those. You know, you can go and Google it. Um, there's a company in Australia, there's a company in Germany, uh, but there aren't very many companies making them. And so that was kind of our big push. So in terms of what we offer to practitioners, broadly speaking, it's it's a very um, wide collection of options for how to use Chinese medicine to treat your patients. And it's all living in a convenient web-based portal. So it's accessible from anywhere. Um, and it's, it's a really nice system. And you also treat patients. And we also treat patients. How about that? We, we actually, <laughs> we I actually mean, do the thing that, that we were trained to do. Yes, we also treat patients. So, of course, you know, like any um, 
practitioners out there, and I think you've probably talked about this before on some of the shows I've listened to, Stacey, like the vast majority of us are entrepreneurs, right? We're small business owners. A lot of people don't like to hear that. Um, I'm not sure why. Actually, I know why. It's intimidating and it's nerve wracking. But the, the reality is that is what the vast, vast majority of us do in order to make a living. Um, so yeah, we see patients and in the process of gathering our patients over the last couple of years, we've sort of, um, Travis and I both have kind of found our own niches, I guess. I mean, we didn't intend to niche necessarily, but that's just sort of what has happened. Um, and we sort of leaned into it. Uh, so we're primarily an internal medicine clinic. Um, we do digestive disorders, anxiety, insomnia, depression, stuff like that, stuff that's well-suited to herbal treatment. Um, and of course we use acupuncture as well. I think if we're being honest, so Travis and I would describe ourselves as herbalists and then acupuncturists, mm -hmm. probably in that order. Um, but you can't bill insurance for herbs. So finding a way to make acupuncture work is also a good financial stream for us. Um, and, and of course we treat pain like everybody does because a lot of people get referred over for pain. But honestly, when I come across uh, more longstanding complex musculoskeletal stuff, we have some of our um, cohort we graduated with still in Portland who love to do musculoskeletal. And I'm like, actually, you should go across the river and see this guy or this gal because, um, you know, if it's quick and simple, I'll do it. But if it's something that's going to be a six month recovery, I'd rather give that to someone who who really does that um, as their own specialty. Which is huge, which is really hard to do. When so hard to do. Well, when you're a new practitioner yeah. and you really need to make money, it's really hard to let those people go. Yeah. Um, but you also have a business where building relationships is going to, um, foster your success long-term, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and working together as acupuncturists, as opposed to hoarding and, you know, um, not supporting each other is just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you never want to give into the scarcity mindset, right? Yeah. Which is so, so easy to fall into as a new practitioner, right? You're like, I think that's I'm where so we start. It's almost yeah. like, oh, yeah. If you, if you, but you're right. If you get rooted on that, if that's where your roots are from the beginning, it's such a battle. It's such a battle to get out of that. So. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you go to school, you're exhausted, right? You're literally like chi deficient in a real way when you get Sick. out of school. Yeah. And then, you know, these days, a lot of new practitioners, it's harder for them to, to get their license, to get, to pass the boards. Mm -hmm. Like there's all of this shit. Mm -hmm. Can we curse in this? Absolutely. So, there's all this shit that's in people's way. So, you know, it takes another six months after you graduate to finally get your license. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to try and, and you're tired. And so it's easy to fall into this idea that I don't have what I need. Like, I don't know what I need to know. I don't know anything about business. I'm so mm -hmm. tired. I have to clutch onto this patient. Uh, but you have to resist that temptation. Um, because what ends up happening is you won't do your best work when you're in that headspace, right? You're going to take on a case that um, you're not well suited to, or you're going to uh, give people treatment maybe they don't need. I know that sounds scandalous, but some people might do that. Like, oh, just what, one more round, you know, just mm -hmm. come on back, you know. And um, I think it's really, really important to adopt a generosity mindset and a, and a uh, broad perspective on what's possible. You know, I, I work in Portland. There are 730 licensed acupuncturists in the city of Portland, right? 730. Now, some of those people include teachers and people who don't run practices. But just as a point of perspective, there's 1,400 licensed acupuncturists in Oregon, in the whole state. 730 of them are in Portland. All right. And so this is this is actually really interesting to me because 
I think what you did was really gutsy, honestly. See, I'm not really a Portland, Portland. I mean, of course, I lived there and went to school there, but I knew I wasn't going to stay because it felt so crowded to me. And I'm just not a city person necessarily. Um, and so to to open, because there are a couple, let's see here, Portland has has more (laughs) (laughs) Portland is really one of the few places that practitioners can access bulk herbs and can access being able to create custom formulas through uh, a brick and mortar place. Um, I know there are a couple. Mm -hmm. So you going in and opening your own to me, like, I mean, I don't think I don't have scarcity mentality. Like when people in Portland talk about um, there's so many of us, you're also sitting in a in a city that is so incredibly educated about acupuncture because there are so many of you. Couldn't and say so, it better myself. Yeah. So I don't really see that as. I mean, you can make that one of your challenges, but there's space for everybody. Oh, you know? yeah, and honestly, you know, listeners don't make that one mm-hmm. of your challenges. So. Of all the patients we see now, Stacy, I have yet to meet a single one who was like, oh, yeah, I had an acupuncturist somewhere else. I just decided to come see you guys. Everyone that we see has either never had acupuncture before or had it like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? They've heard about it. Of course, they know they have a friend who did it. Their mom did it. Somebody. But this idea that like, oh, it's saturated. There are no patients in Portland. I'm like, nah, man, there's patients everywhere right we don't we don't we're not like fighting over the same cluster of patients that's been not been my experience at least yeah yeah i think i think it's your it just depends on what mindset exactly you want to have when you come out of school Um, well and i think this is the you know the question about how do you design like what do you want your business to look like who are you targeting all of those big questions that you have as a new practitioner and has been the subject of a lot of the stuff that you've talked about in the past like you know, where you are is going to shape all of those answers. You know, like it's, it's the oldest possible business advice ever, but location, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, it's a gem, right? Like lean into this new practitioners because Chinese medicine, we say this to everyone, Chinese medicine is very old and that's why it has value. That's not really why, but that's what people say, right? Location, location, location is really old advice. And it still has badass value. So like, and that's in terms of like your city and what the nature of your city is and the market and the people. And then also to like your actual physical location. So like, Stacey, I don't know if you know Multnomah Village in Portland very well, that part of town. It's in Southwest Portland. Okay. Anyway, the listeners won't know about it. But anyway, it's this little tucked away section of Portland. I had lived in Portland for the whole time we were in school, like for four years, and I had never heard of it. Right. My business partner, Travis Cunningham, was like, hey, we should go look for space in the village. And I was like, the village, what is that? So we go over there and sure enough, it's like it's a little strip with like cute stores and restaurants, little bars and like places to hang out and a toy store and a German restaurant. It's just super cute. And it's all on one strip. It's fairly dense. It's like an eight to ten block space. And everyone that lives around that strip, the neighborhood of Multnomah Village, is like obsessed with it and they have money to spend, right? So they they don't go out like in downtown Portland. They don't go to the east side of the river. Like, oh, I have to cross the river? Oh, you know. Is that at the base of Forest Park? 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like as the mountains sort of dump mm-hmm. down right mm-hmm. toward the river valley. Yep, yep. And so anyway, the so we walking around this place and there's sure enough, there's a spot for rent. And it was not it was big enough for what we needed, but it wasn't laid out right and it was really ugly and oh like it's it was gonna need some overhaul. But I was like, you know, this is a cool space because we had looked everywhere at that point, Stacy. Slots and strip malls, slots and other clinics, all across town, different neighborhoods all of this kind of assessment to try and figure out like what could work. And we had, we had done a bunch of pre-work. So that is to say, I literally was like, all right, we're going to open a place that has a Chinese medicine pharmacy. And as you mentioned, there are other places in town that do similar business to what we do. So I don't want to open a shop across the street from somebody else who's also selling herbs like I am, because that's what, well, honestly, if I'm being honest, it feels rude <laughs> to me to do it. Like yeah. you're working your business I don't want to come mess with you. And then there's practical implications of like, you know, customers and stuff, right? Sure. So I I built a Google map where I identified all of the pharmacy locations. And then I put in 160 acupuncture clinics just based off the Yelp listing. Like I literally just found Yelp and I looked at the order of Yelp listings. So it's like an arbitrary metric, right? But I just picked them and populated this Google map with pins showing my pharmacy competition, and then the spread of acupuncturists, right? And lo and behold, there are a couple of holes in my map. So there was a hole in Southwest Portland, which is where we are now. And there was a hole in Southeast Portland, which is actually coincidentally where I live. But so we were looking in those quadrants. So this is to say, if you're a new practitioner and you're looking in a city, it is worth your time, in my opinion, to do a little research and make it make it visual. So like for me, I'm a really visual person when it comes to learning. I need to see it laid out in graphs and pictures and things like that. And when you laid out this map, which admittedly took many hours to make, but when you lay out the map, it's like, oh, there's a clear hole, like boom, in each of these zones. So we should go there, right? We should go there. So that's when we started looking at space. And there are a lot of different places that an acupuncturist can rent to start a business. And a lot of places where it could work well, but all of those places might have a different strategy, right? So we, in the end, wanted a couple of important things. I wanted a place where people could walk in off the street and feel comfortable just walking in and say, asking a question about something. Because, you know, if you're just walking down the street and you happen in front of a new place and it looks like a doctor's office, you might be disinclined to walk into that space. And for us, because of the pharmacy and because we were going to have some... uh, sort of customer facing products. We were going to sell tea and teapots and greeting cards and small scale retail item, just part of the original plan. We wanted a place that had a a spot that someone could walk off the street, feel comfortable. And then the other thing that we wanted is we, uh, Travis and I decided that we weren't going to be uh, community-based acupuncture or public health-based acupuncture. And so we were going to need to charge a higher price point to make our bottom line work in the model that we were picking. And so I wanted to pick an area where some of the people walking past my shop might have more disposable income to spend on a higher price point. And so we were looking at neighborhoods like that. Um, so that's, that's how we ended up finding the spot that we did. And of course we had to do a lot of um, renovation and reorganization of the physical space to achieve the goals that we wanted. But in the end we were, those things were rolling around in our mind when we were looking for a spot And the marketing and stuff that we chose as a byproduct of that spot all fed from that original decision to be in Portland, 
be in Multnomah Village, have a spot that was open to the public, you know, customer facing. And then, you know, it's just a string of choices that begin with that first one. That's awesome. Did you reach out to the acupuncturists in that area, letting them know that you were there then? How did, what did that look like? We did. Uh, it, well, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, Bring it on. Be- yeah. So because there weren't a lot of other clinics in the area, I, before we started talking to other practitioners, I had a little trepidation. I was a little nervous about going to talk to them because again, like I said about the thing about open across the street from people, I don't want to, I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. I have met a lot of Chinese medicine practitioners in Portland who have that scarcity mindset that we were talking about before in other, in other situations. And it it has not always been a very positive interaction. Mm -hmm. So I was a little nervous. So I, of course, I built a little, a little flyer, a little um, catalog. So I brought sample herb, sample tea pack, a sample shiosan, and a sample digestive herb blend, right, in a little bag, and our marketing materials. And I only went to talk to them about the pharmacy, right? Because, like, obviously we're running a clinic, but they are also a clinic, so they're, you know, whatever they can find about that on their own. I didn't want to, I didn't want to push them too hard and be like, "Hey, we're neighbors. <laughs> Let's be friends." Um, So I went over and uh, most of the places immediately around us are the kind of place where there isn't a person there unless the practitioner is seeing Mm. a patient, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, new practitioners, if you haven't come across that yet, it's a really common and totally viable method where like, why would you just be sitting in your uh, strip mall space if no one's coming, you know what I mean? Unless you had work to do. So I just start making the rounds. There were four of them immediately around us and three of them are like that. So I didn't know that. I just knock on the door. No one's there. It's completely dead. You know, I was like, okay, well, go to the website, got contact email, sent an email, cold, you know, it's a cold email. I mean, it's going to like info at kind of address, Yeah. but I sent them anyway. One person didn't respond at all. One responded very coldly and was not interested in a visit. One. No. Yeah. They were like, thanks for the info. Good luck was basically the. The thing. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't want um, to meet. And then the third one did. And I went and it was, um, it was fine. It wasn't warm. It wasn't embracing, but it was fine. And that person ended up actually making an account with our pharmacy, uh, but has never, never actually used it, Mm -hmm. even though we're just down the street. And then the other one was a a more normal clinic and they were very nice actually. And very, I don't mean normal, I guess. They have a multiple people, multiple oh, yeah. people. You can walk in there. You know, there's always someone there. I don't there's mean no to normal. There's, there's no definitely, normal, especially in Portland. Definitely no normal. Scratch that. I apologize. <laughs> listeners. Definitely no normal. Anyway, I walked into that place and, um, and, and they were very nice and receptive, but they, because I think they were a larger clinic, they already had a fairly robust granule pharmacy and most of their practitioners use granules. So they just continue to use their own pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't done any business with them either, but so yeah, of the four, one warm, one neutral, one cold, one, no response. So, and then you were like, mm, too much energy for, you know, you're like four yeah. is enough for me. And yep. and so there you have it. Yep. That, that know, was the extent of our immediate area outreach. I want to say something about that because I did something very similar. So I had a massage career. Gosh, and I launched it 20 years ago. And it's very, that's like what I did. Found a great location, 
did up something, some flyer or something, and then went within a mile radius and introduced myself to every single person, you know, because people around you are also small business owners. Right. And we want to support each other. And so if you walk in and you're like, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. You know, here's my business card. Here's, a, you know, $20 off of your first massage if you want to come see me. Do you have a business card? Can I see, you know, do you have any material for, for your business? Because I also, if I'm going to see people, I want to be able to send them your way too. Can you give me that? And it was such a, it worked. Let's just put it this way. It worked. Now, when I did that this time, because I did that as well, I contacted the business around me. I walked around. I introduced myself. And dang, if people weren't cold. Really? (laughs) It was so... And and for me, I was like, every time I did it, I was like, wow, this this is really painful. This is why new practitioners who don't have any business experience don't... They just get all crumpled up and crushed over this. But I also know like whatever, keep going. <laughs> well, know, I like, mean, that's the thing. Uh, it, it requires a lot of outward facing. Uh, like you, you have yeah. to go and push visitors, uh, listeners. I'm making a hand motion right now. Like <laughs> and push. he's giant too. He's a big yeah, guy. <laughs> I'm a big guy. And so, um, I will say though, we had very positive reactions from the non Chinese medicine people in our neighborhood because right. yeah. So we, I will say this for our experience, um, I grew up with a mom who was very civically engaged, right? Like she was getting signatures and mm-hmm. dead ending streets and no, you won't build a McDonald's there. Just like very, very white lady in the suburbs um, in, a, in a good way. And so she, uh, I think, just instilled in me this idea that like if you're in a place, you should you should get involved in whatever capacity you can with your community. So there's a business association in Multnomah Village and they had their meetings literally right next door to our shop in a in a church that's right next door to our shop. So I I get a flyer like, oh, we noticed you're a new business. Come to the meeting. And it's at like eight in the morning. We don't we at that time didn't open till 10. It's completely across town for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm not a morning person, listeners. And so anyway, I got up and I went. And very nice people is a pretty robust business association. And I have a lot of experience with boards and nonprofits and stuff like that, just from previous life stuff. And so they needed somebody to help chair one of their events, small scale event. It was a Halloween trick or cheat in the village. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can help with that, you know? And it was, you know, it was mostly just a bunch of emailing and organizing, but I meet these people who run all the other businesses in our little area and fun little tidbit, none of the other Chinese medicine people we're involved with the business association. So they're just not there, right? It's just me. So here there's all of these people who now know me and know what we do. And we ended up actually generating uh, several patients from the other business owners and their families. And one of them specifically was like, you know, I had an acupuncturist that I was seeing across town, but you know, because you've been helping out with the association so much, well, I just decided to come here. And I was like, oh, see, that's super nice. And then of course you feel more invested in the space around you, which I think is really, really important too. So if uh, a new practitioner is in an area, look around for the business association, look around for whatever community group might be there. And and let me caveat that with saying such organizations have a wide range of functionality, right? You might show up and it's like three people there and it's a nightmare and everyone doesn't get along. 
Or you might look out into what I did, and the business association was robust with longstanding members and a lot of leadership and just people really interested in working um, to keep Multnomah Village uh, robust and exciting. So I really recommend that for a networking opportunity that you don't have to think about as networking. So for people out there who find that idea gross, um, it's just you're being involved in your community. Reframe it, people. Reframe it. Well, it is that way. And it's different for everybody, I think. Um this this marketing and networking Oof, yeah you have to be you as well i mean you here's the thing you have to be you but you do have to step outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. for sure you know mm-hmm. like travis is a you you guys don't know him but he's an, an extreme extrovert and he loves to talk he's like he's like that person that is chatting with everybody everywhere every time we turn around there's <laughs> travis like not only that which is re- something that i really love about him that i noticed very early on before we even got to be friends um because i would he would be in class early always you know and and so would i claim in my seat and um the way that travis learns things is through teaching them like you 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 learn something or you read something and then you turn around and you tell somebody about it like I remember you just reading articles or something and you show up the next day and you're like, I just read last night that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's a really, um, I don't know, f- speaking as an introvert who is challenged often to come up with topics of conversation and overthinks everything and what to say next. Like I, I get a little jealous of that occasionally. I'm like, wow, <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? That's so great. But anyway. Well, and I, I will say with that too, Despite that, and I, I feel like that's a fair characterization. I do like to talk a lot. I do read a lot, and I like to tell people about what I read. It is how I retain stuff. So, like, I consume a huge amount of all kinds of different media, and the best stuff that I will remember forever is the stuff that I tell my wife about, or I, you know, tell people about in different capacities. But I don't want people to imagine that the only people who are good at this uh, quote unquote marketing or uh, networking thing are people who like to talk or are good at talking. Because I think you said it right there at the beginning, which is you got to find the thing that's you. You know what I mean? And Travis Cunningham and I were talking about different topics before uh, you and I were going to meet Stacy. And so I was asking him, like, okay, help me think through some of the stuff that we've experienced. And he said something that I thought was really on point, which is, There's a lot of different ways to market. Some of them work. Some of them might work less. Um, Mm -hmm. But the best thing that both of us has done is to just be uh, talking to everyone you know about what you do whenever it's appropriate in your normal life, right? So you could get a stack of flyers and spend a Saturday canvassing your neighborhood and you might generate some leads from that. You could also, in the pre-before times, you could go to a barbecue that you had on your calendar anyway with your partner's friends, and in the course of just being social, it might come up what you do or someone's talking about something. And I don't know if some of the listeners out there have not experienced this yet, but when people tend to find out that you're at all related to a medical field, like in any capacity... They have a million questions, right? Like, oh, I had this thing and this is going on and what's happening in a way that was surprising to me. Like, I grew up in the South and like people don't talk about like their poop or their warts in a social setting. But here I am like literally at a barbecue and people are like, you know, my gas has been really, really smelly 
is that a Chinese medicine thing? And you're just like, <laughs> okay, let's go with it. Let's make this happen. <laughs> so that is to say you're living your normal life. You're just doing whatever you normally do and whatever social capacity you normally would do it. And you talk about what you do. And this just feeds itself. And I'm not saying that any of the people from that barbecue are going to come to your clinic on Monday, right? But they now know a person and a name, and maybe you even gave them a card, right? Whoa, getting crazy, giving them a card. But maybe you did. And if something comes up with them, or even more importantly, anyone else they know, they're like, actually, you know, I met a guy at a barbecue who was talking about fixing gas with herbs and like, you know, you're pretty gassy, so check it out. Um, and that sounds a little flippant, but I think that it's in our experience at Root and Branch, that has actually been the real deal for us. Like everyone talks about how word of mouth is the best referral. Um, and I, I can't underscore that enough. I mean, we've done all the things. We direct mailed people. We canvassed people. We Facebook added. We Yelp added. We kept a robust Instagram page. We have a really robust website. We did a lot of blogging for a while. And we track all of our stuff. So if you're going to do marketing new people, you should figure out a way to track results. Track, track, track. Otherwise, how will you know if the money you spent and the time you spent was worth it? And while virtually all of those things got us some leads here and there, the best leads that we've ever gotten have been from just doing good work, talking to people about our work, and having the people we've done good work on tell their friends about it. Um, and, and here's the rub, though. That means that in order to make it as a single practitioner relying on this kind of flow, you, you have to find a way to survive long enough, right? That's actually the piece. You have to, like, where's the money coming from? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to keep your rent or your mortgage and stuff like that? Because you, if you can survive long enough to build enough momentum with the good work that you're doing on patients, it will start to feed itself, right? As long as you're open, and in our experience at least, so as long as you're open and talking to people and sharing things, being generous, the information will feed itself back. Can you hear that? Yeah. Is that my dog barking? What yep. an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. We're going to keep rolling. It's pretty fun. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> anyway, I have two dogs. They're delightful, but they are sometimes assholes. Um, hey, so I anyway, wanna, I just want to throw in idea. here because that was exactly, um, as you were talking, I was like, patience, patience. You want to know how to make a business work? Patience yep. and longevity. Hang yep. in there, you know, like which is brutal right now. Oh, God, it's so brutal. Because it's a pandemic, you know, like I, um, my own business, pretty much, I it, I didn't have enough roots at the beginning of the pandemic. And so when it happened, I just pulled out because otherwise I knew I was just going to be bleeding money into my yeah. into my um, lease. And there was just no way that... It just wasn't strong enough. And I knew it. And I have enough experience to where I was like, yeah, this is this is going to be rough. And so when I felt comfortable, I started treating patients on my deck, which I kind of live in the country in this beautiful deck outlooks like this forest and it's nice. just freaking gorgeous. And I sent out um, an email to the patients that I felt comfortable coming to my house mm -hmm. and they came. And they freaking loved it. They were trying to give me more money than what I was charging because it was so kind of a safe space in the middle of a pandemic where they could 
like, and we still did masks and we still did everything, even though it was open space, but it was, um, and had all great safety precautions, but they were able to like lay on the table and look at these like four story high trees in the forest and see the birds flying over. And it was really, really pretty epic. That Um, sounds phenomenal. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm actually. I want to have a treatment on a deck with the. (laughs) I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm actually trying to convert that space right now, too, so I can continue through the winter. But anyway, I mean, honestly, my clinic practice, I'm hanging on by threads right now, you know, but it is exactly that. I I keep knowing that. I'm like, you know what? Doesn't matter. It's a long game. It's a long game. And I'm I'm also metamorphic, kind of morphing myself as we go, too. well, and staying mean, staying agile is essential here, right? Yeah. Oh, and, and let's let's be honest too, right? Like, there's two different things that are we're talking about. One is like starting a business in a general capacity. Oh my god. And then dealing with this bullshit that we're in right now, right? Which yeah. is like that's a whole it's a whole another skill set that none of us have ever had. Yeah. That that you could never have anticipated it, and therefore you could never have really guarded against it. You know what I mean? So the other piece. This is why, you know, I think a lot of people, they study Chinese medicine and they imagine that their disposition is like, is um, anathema to business. Like, I don't like the the rigidity and the accounting and the taxes and the salesmen and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is, is that I think Chinese medicine makes people really well suited to be business people because it expands your mind to be able to hold two things at once that on their face may seem opposed, right? Like that classic, Mm. is it this pattern or this pattern? And your teacher says, yes, right? Because so on the one hand, you have to be patient and stalwart and consistent and plodding forward forever. And on the other hand, you have to be agile and able to adapt and able to quickly make an assessment and change direction. Those things seem opposed, of course, but they're not. Is it, is it, ongoing and consistent or quick and agile yes yes is the answer right? Do you know what's so Sifu, yes it's so great what you just did this is this is um so i am um to my listeners uh, even though i'm doing this crazy podcast like i am such an introvert i'm the most introverted person that i actually know and i have i'm like an introverted an extroverted wait what was i going to say an extroverted introvert hmm. but i used to position if i and so the, I'm going to give you a school story. Oh boy. Uh-huh. Get so, your popcorn. I know, right? So I have such a huge fear of being called on in class. I mean, anxiety, like sweat, like I just hate it and I and I and then I hate groups. I hate groups. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody else. Like So I, so the solitary study of Chinese medicine as we did it at Ocon was right up your alley then, right? I don't think it was solitary. <laughs> no, no, oh, sarcasm. Insert God, sarcasm. Thank you. Insert it was sarcasm. so hard. Well, not only that, <laughs> then you have this this I think I would be it would be fair to say that there's a cultural shift yeah. in going to Chinese medical school too where you have um say your Caucasian instructors are less likely to call on you like that. They may ask you to raise your hand if you have an answer, but the Chinese instructors straight from China have, they, they're like, it's a a different school culture. It's a freaking free for all. And you are, if you try and look down and hide, they're like, Oh, there they are. I'm going to get that one. (laughs) (laughs) There is no hiding. There is no hiding. So I kind of decided 
this is so not, I mean, I, you should be flattered. Travis, <laughs> Travis and Travis used to sit in front of me. Like I like the front because I don't like to be distracted by everybody. Yep. And so I always tried to shoot for the front, but eventually I figured out that if I sat behind Travis, <laughs> both of them actually, cause I love them both. But um, Travis Kern in particular, the one I'm interviewing, if I sat behind him, he actually likes to talk. And I can hold my own with the intellectual half of the discussion. So if we got put in groups, I would like, we would talk and we'd come to this conclusion and I'd have my input and I'd feel good about myself. And then the teacher would be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And Travis would automatically start talking. And I was like, yes, yes, I it's love a good, this. It's a good balance, right? We, everyone has their roles to play. You just, <laughs> you just get in there and talk, you know? And you just did that. So the reason that I was because... I said it and then you made it, you made it, you just went on with it and made it like really nice. That whole being patient and stalwart and then also having this, this balance. Yeah. I mean, it it is, it is what we do. Like the reality is Chinese medicine trained practitioners have, I mean, this is my bias. We, we have an upper hand because we have been uh, forced to consider different worldviews. I mean, a Western point of view, an Eastern point of view, a yin-yang theory, a biomedicine theory. I mean, we've been forced to mash things together and find ways for them to work um, that I think gives us an edge when it comes to being agile, being adaptive, and also understanding that hard work is how we eventually get there. So, um, which I think really gets to a bigger question, like for new practitioners, old practitioners or or veteran practitioners for myself, you got to trust yourself enough, right? Like trust your innate humanness, right? Your innate ability to discern what's going to work for you and what's not and, and fight the little voice in your head that says, Oh, I don't know anything. I don't have any experience. I have to get more experience. I need to follow someone around. I could never open a business. I don't know anything. Actually, you know tons. You know tons more than regular folk just walking around do. And and yeah, maybe you don't know shit about QuickBooks. Maybe you don't know anything about taxes. Maybe you don't. But you know what? There are experts that do. And you can hire them. And it's not cost prohibitive to hire experts to do your work. Also, there are a huge number of resources to learn some of that stuff yourself, right? And so I, when I was living in Louisiana, I had a friend of mine, really good friend from high school, and we were business partners. We ran some apartment buildings in Baton Rouge. He is an accountant. I, at the time, was a French teacher. I don't know shit about accounting or keeping books or any of that stuff. Obviously, that's what he does for a living. So he handled all of the money, and I did all the property management. That was our arrangement, Right. Because I can build stuff and fix things, right? So that that's what that's what we did. And I, at the time, again, this is pre-Chinese medicine school, I was very much, I had adopted and internalized this idea that people can be categorized in an easy way. So like I was a, an English and French person, not a math person, not a analytical person. I'm a liberal arts guy, you know? And I'd really internalized that deeply. Um And so I go to Chinese medicine school and now it's time to open a business and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to do the accounting. Like, are you kidding? I hate that stuff. Well, I am the kind of person that if I do know more about something, my stress level is going to go down. So I was super stressed about it. And my natural response, just something I've been doing my whole life is to be like, okay, okay, 
I need to just understand this problem. And if I can understand it, my stress level will go down. So I called Wayne, my, my friend and business partner who is an accountant. And I was like, okay, I need the 101, walk me through it. And he's like, actually, you don't need me right now. Here, go to YouTube and here's QuickBooks basic introduction. I want you to watch these like six videos and then I'll help you get your book set up. So you didn't even need a friend who's an accountant, right? To get this thing set up. Like you just literally watch these videos and then you work with an accountant and they get your books set up based on your specific business. And then you just follow through with that, right? And so for me, I do all of our own books, right? I do all of our monthly financials. I break down everything. And at the end of the year, we send our books to the accountant, which I've been keeping all year long. And the accountant does the calculations for the taxes, but I don't, I don't have to pay an accountant to do that work because I learned how to do it. And again, it's not, it's basic arithmetic and organization. It's not crazy stuff and software helps with it. And the best part is I can tell you right now what the profit and loss is for root and branch. I can tell you how much money we spent on herbs. I can tell you how much money we're making right now. I can tell you what the end of the month is going to look like. I can tell you right now that I'm going to be able to pay my rent in December. And I've been able to tell you that since the 4th of November, right? And that's because I keep the books and therefore my stress level so much lower because I actually know what's going on. Because for me, stress comes from a lack of knowledge. Like, oh shit, what's going to happen? What's happening next? And when I can put my fingers around it, it makes my stress level go down. Which I agree with that. I kind of did the same thing. Like I pulled out of the business thing, all of my energy with that and thought so many new practitioners are doing the same thing. Like just sp feel like they're spinning. And I'm like, well, for me, what am I, what did I miss? Cause I was doing, I like, I started a business before and it worked great. So what am I doing? What is going on now that I'm missing? Mm -hmm. And then I did a deep dive into everything. And, and then I was like, well, shit, if I'm doing all of this, I may as well share it with everybody else too. And we can all do it together or I'll do it and show people so that they don't have to go digging all the time. Oh my God. Yes. Generosity <laughs> mindset. That's what that is. I mean, yeah. this is a core component of Root and Branch's operations. I mean, we sell herbs and we see patients, but actually uh, we do a lot of work with students, current students of Chinese oh, yeah, medicine, yeah. because we let them build, um, accounts so they can write their own formulas. Because if you're a student out there and you want to know more about herbs, write formulas for yourself, take them and sometimes vomit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because da Huang, da Huang yeah, da Huang, da Huang yourself to the toilet for a day. Um, and then you'll know, right? But anyway, and, and in all seriousness, you should experiment. Don't do anything crazy, crazy, but you should experiment. Um, but because of that, we work with a lot of students. And so students come into the shop and they'll be at different points in their career or in their curriculum, some of them about to graduate. And, you know, we're always just like, hey, how's it going? How's school? And I can't tell you, Stacey, the number of people who are like, oh, I just I just don't have enough experience. I just don't. I'm not ready. I don't think I can do it. And every time we talk to those people, you know, because we talk to them a lot. I see the formulas they write. And if any herbalists out there listening, you know, you can look at other people's formulas and you can know whether they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I look at these students' formulas and I'm like, actually, like you're on, you're on point, like you're on track, like, you know, stuff you're clearly identifying, you're doing pattern differentiation, that's, that's the best that you can do every time, but they're so nervous, which is understandable. Yeah. But in fact, they, they do just need to, to trust that you do know stuff. Trust yourself, 
right? Because I think it, it's going to apply to business and practice and all of these things. Um, you can't get experience without jumping in on some level. I mean, you can follow somebody around. If you're super lucky to find the one Sifu acupuncturist in your entire region who's willing to let you follow them around that you didn't have to pay a kajillion dollars to, um, cool, do that <laughs> because you found the one. But there aren't 50 of those opportunities. There aren't, there probably aren't 20 of those opportunities. So if you want to get your experience, you go and get it, right? You hang a shingle, you jump in, you rely on podcasts like this one, other people who have experience, and, and you go for it. And companies like Root and & Branch and this podcast and Michael Max podcast and all kinds of stuff, there's so many resources now where people are really trying to say, hey, we've been through it. This is what worked for us. And that's not to say it works for everybody. And in fact, I'm going to offer a cautionary piece that if you meet people who tell you they have the answer, the with a capital T, you should be cautious, right? Because a lot of people who, um, I'm going to be ungenerous here, maybe didn't make it as well in private practice as they wanted, have figured out ways to make money off of telling you what you should do, right? And you should be cautious of that. Um, it's not to say they don't have valuable advice because they may, but don't give over your own power to say like, oh, I don't know anything. I have to take this course so I can learn the way to do it because it might not work for you. It might not be the thing, you know, just like Chinese medicine, take from everywhere, right? Yin yang theory, five elements, pull from, you know, Bagua theory, pull from earthly, you know, heavenly stems and earthly branches, pull from everywhere build the thing that's going to work for you and then apply it. And it's the same with business, you know? Oh, sorry. So boxy two cents there. Be cautious <laughs> of the people with the V answer. Well, and you kind of, you, you said a minute ago, you, you don't always have to spend gobs of money or find no the person because the internet is full of tons of information. Um, and I'm going to dig on you to find out about the YouTube links for the accounting information yeah. and, and, and on the maybe show. your friend wants some business to yeah. set up a bunch of acupuncturists. I know his, his accounting firm is in Louisiana, but he still does our, he still does our, our books. And, and seriously, listeners, I mean, I, this is a full invitation. Send me an email or call us at the shop. I will, I will talk to you. I can't guarantee you that I have the answer you're looking for. Yeah. But if, if you want to talk about something, uh, a lot of us out there are ready and willing to do it. Absolutely. Some, some people don't want to, but you know, whatever those, let those people do their thing. But if you, if you want to talk about it, there are a lot of us out there who would be happy to, to chat with you about it. Which I'm going to transition now because this is a topic that I think a lot of listeners might be curious about. And I'm very curious about as well. You um, started a brick and mortar business, a nice, a nice one. Like you didn't scrap from nothing. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the genesis of Root and & Branch and how that came about with the funding and, um, yes, the funding? Yeah. Firstly, <laughs> let me just say, I love the word genesis when it's ever used in a question. So now I'm even more excited <laughs> to tell you about the genesis. I feel like I'm, I'm tell, telling the myth, the, the world on a turtle's back for Root and & Branch. Um, so in the beginning... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That was resist. great. <laughs> um, but when we, so Travis and I graduated uh, 2017, we went to China for an eight week uh, externship in Nanjing. And when we came back, 
it was time to like, you know, finish boards. We each had a board left to take and we needed to, our plan was, okay, we're going to take the boards, all the paperwork processing. We got back in October, 2017. We wanted it to be done. All the, all the minutia, the bureaucracy done by December. So we could open in January. That was the plan. That was very ambitious. And that is not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we sat down, we're taking our boards and uh, I had finished mine. We're waiting on the, all the licensing crap to go through. And you're just waiting. What are you going to do? So I have a, I have a wife who has a job, so I wasn't worried about my mortgage. So I was already um, advantaged in that way. Uh, very privileged to have her um, slave in a way so we could work on this other thing. Travis Cunningham, however, did not at the time have anybody paying his bills. So he was on, he had squirreled a little bit of cash away from student loans. Um, and he was fortunate to be in a very low cost overhead scenario. Um, despite that, however, even despite my wife working, we had more expenses, like we have a house and a mortgage and and stuff, you know, so I had to start, uh, delivering packages for Amazon and Mm -hmm. driving Uber and a bunch of gig economy stuff. I was delivering food for everybody, Grubhub, Caviar, all the apps. I was even picking up scooters in Portland, the little bird brand scooters, putting them in my car, bringing them home, charging them, putting them back out at six in the morning. It was a nightmare. But, you know, you just scrap in trying to grab cash. Yep. From the business point of view, we, we decided that we wanted to uh, build this company. We were going to build an S corporation, which, you know, is a different type of, there's a lot of business entities out there. But anyway, we settled on S corp as opposed to LLC. The details don't matter for that. But in order to get a loan, well, that was our plan. We're going to get a business loan, right? So we do all of our research. Portland Community College actually has a, a program, um, small business community building program, where you get paired up with a mentor who knows about this process and has links with banks. So we're like, we felt really like secure about that. And we got a template from the SBA, the Small Business Administration, which a lot of people know about now because of uh, COVID money and stuff, but it was kind of obscure to my knowledge before that. So we get this template for a business plan from the SBA. And we were told you need to have this business plan to bring with you to the banks so you can ask the banks for money, right? Like, okay, cool. So it took like three months and wrote this business plan. And uh, it's awesome, by the way. Uh, it is not what our business is now, but it, it's a cool plan. If you read it, you'd be like, oh, that sounds cool. And if anybody wants to read it, I'll be more than happy to send it to you. You can read my business plan. Um, because fast forward, it didn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah, that's the, what I was going to say. I could yeah, feel the lead we, up. Like usually they don't actually care. They just want to see that you put some effort in. Yeah, yeah. And um, I will say the benefit of the business plan is it really helped Travis and I flesh through our idea like in great detail because the plan demands certain, okay, how are you going to do this? And what's the budget? And how does it look? And make these mm-hmm. spreadsheets that there's a mm-hmm. lot of demands in the business plan. Mm-hmm. And I actually would, I would do it again, even though it wasn't useful to us to get money, I would do it again because it really helped clarify our thought process. Well, but you anyway, don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And that's oh one God. of those tools. I say that all the time. You yeah, just that's don't know those, what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that is a great tool, uh, especially if you have a template to yeah. shine a yeah. light on what you don't know. I don't feel like, you know, you don't obviously have to do one, but I mm-hmm. think it's, I think it's valuable. So anyway, we finish it up. We've been meeting with our mentor. He sets up some meetings with some local banks. And so we go in and he prepped us ahead of time. Like, okay, you're going to have like basically a two minute pitch. Uh, you're going to give them the business plan. 
they're going to take it and they're going to get back to you in like four to six weeks and you guys will meet again, answer any questions. This is the likely trajectory. So we did that uh, starting beginning January. So we were on point for our timeline at least. And then we didn't hear back from the first two banks for uh, six weeks on the tail end. And this one was supposed to be quicker than that. And so we finally go back and the, the bank loan manager person's like, well, you know, this is a really interesting idea. Um, what kind of collateral are you guys going to provide for this loan? And I was like, well, I have a house. Marcy, my wife and I, we, we have a house and we can potentially use the equity in the house, you know, because here's the thing. You got to have some collateral to get a loan. Like you, nobody's just going to give you a loan for with nothing. Okay. Unless you're you know, like a, on Shark Tank or something, right? So the other piece of the puzzle, and this is a little in the weeds, but I think it's relevant. When we wrote up our business plan, we had factored in how much, so like how much a loan do you need is like the really big question. So you have to build this huge budget that spans over a certain number of years. And we included in that Travis and I's wages so that we could get paid, obviously, while we're building the business. Nobody, including our, our so-called mentor in the process, told us that banks very, very rarely, and when someone says very, very rarely in the bank world, they mean never, give loans for operating capital, right? Which is the phrase operating capital. So they'll give you a loan, for example, to buy a building because now the building is the banks, right? Mm -hmm. Until you pay back the loan. Or they'll give you a loan to buy fancy equipment or open, you know, there's there's collateral in that exchange, but the bank is not likely to give you, in our case, say a hundred thousand dollars to pay yourself with, right? Over the course of this loan, they're just not going to do it. There's no collateral there. If you default, even if you know you put your house on the line, there's only a certain amount of that that they're going to recoup. They're, it's just not a good risk for them, which, in hindsight, is very obvious to me. But at, but at the time, but you didn't know what you didn't know. We didn't know, we didn't know. And especially because we were working with uh, people who were ostensibly experts on the subject. I would assume someone would have pointed that out to me before I walked into the bank and from the bank's point of view, asked them a stupid question. Could you okay. give me money for nothing, please? Which is what I asked the bank it's to pretty, do. Pretty much. Yeah. So I can eat. Can I have some yeah. money so I can eat? Yeah. So I can like pay my mortgage. Could you give me money for that? And I promise I'll pay you back. Right. Like that's, that's basically from the bank's point of view, what I was asking them sure. to do, because ultimately the vast majority of what we did to open root and branch was essentially operating capital, rent, uh, wages. Okay. We bought some herbs. That's a physical thing, but what the hell is the bank going to do? Auction our herb collection. Like most of what we're doing, we, we weren't buying big equipment. We weren't okay. buying a building. We weren't buying vehicles. There wasn't high price items in our business plan to cover it. So we get turned out by the bank. We get turned out by another bank. The second bank sent us to a specialty lender in Portland that deals with like startup, high risk startups. So like the interest rate was going to be really terrible, but they're, they're like a community thing, you know? So we go, we have this Stacy, the worst meeting I've ever had with anyone in my entire life. Right. And I have met with a lot of people about a lot of different things. It was terrible. Let's hear about it. Cause it sounds so, juicy. Well, I mean, it's just, just the short of it was we were not allowed to present our material. The person hadn't read any of our material ahead of time, but thought that they had. So they 
mischaracterize what we were doing.、Oh. I, as we have established well in these last minutes of talking, am good at talking, <laughs> and was cut off, shut down.、Oh. I couldn't redirect. I couldn't recapture the energy of the conversation. I mean, I took every single social skill I have learned in my entire life and applied it to try and make this meeting go well, and it was、mm. a disaster. So of course we walked out of there, and Travis and I were like, "Well, <laughs> not going to get that money."、Um, so now here we are in a bind. Simultaneously, while all this is going on, we have just found the space in Multnomah Village, sort of anticipating the eventual money from the loan. We found the space. The landlord wants to rent it, like now. You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. And we don't. We don't have any cash. I don't have any liquid. In the course of this whole thing, it became apparent that we were going to need to use. My house, in some capacity, as collateral or something in the loan. So we had already started exploring a home equity line of credit. So for the listeners, what that means is, you've paid your mortgage and you have equity in your house, right? Or your house is, you know, appreciated in value. So you're going to take a loan from a bank using that equity as collateral. So, you know, oh, you have an extra hundred thousand dollars of equity in your house because you've been paying on it. You can borrow some of that and use it, right? So that's what we did. We got a HELOC,、um, Home Equity Line of Credit,、um, independent of all the other bankers. Nobody cared about our business plan because it didn't matter. We were just using the equity from our house. So we pulled forty thousand dollars out of the equity of our house and rolled it into a loan that Root and Branch took. Right. So Root and Branch, the company, took a loan using my house, my personal house, as the collateral for that loan. So what happened was we opened Root and Branch. And then the payments for the loan, which technically my wife and I owed, is my wife and I took the loan on our house yeah, and then、yeah. gave it to Root and Branch.、Yeah. Root and Branch paid the more paid the loan, right? So it was like three hundred and fifty dollars a month or something. And so Root and Branch would just pay that as an expense, right? So、mm-hmm. they would just pay the bank. So as long as Root and Branch,、uh, you know, operated or operates, continues to operate, then we we pay that loan, and it was our startup cost, right, to do it. Um, looking back on it, I think we probably still would do it that way, but with some changes. I don't think we needed quite that much money. We used it again to pay ourselves and stuff, and some of it to pay ourselves in the meantime. And there was a lot of startup costs for what we were building, right? So we're like you said, we're brick and mortar. I have a huge herbal inventory. Like right now, I have like thirty thousand dollars in herbs. Mm-hmm. Sitting, sitting at my shop, and lots I mean? of fire insurance and flood insurance. Oh God, so much insurance! <laughs> New practitioners, pay your insurance because nothing, nothing's a problem until it's a problem. problem. Oh my God, pay for your insurance, all of it, malpractice and everything.、Um, so yeah, it was it was a challenge. So I think looking, you know, if I didn't have my house to use as collateral, then we wouldn't have root and branch. Just being straight up honest about it, that's just the reality.、Um, because we would not have had access to cash. My parents, Travis's parents, we don't have family or resources to pull that kind of cash out of. Well, I had even tried to reach out to some of my friends from college who are very successful and make investments and in things.、Uh, we did actually find one person who gave us some money, which was cool, like five thousand dollars. Not a lot, but cool. I'll take it.、Yeah. And there's business structures for which he's paid back for that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if it hadn't been for the house, we wouldn't have opened Root and Branch as it exists now, right? Which is to say, the size of the space, the scope of what we did, it was only possible because we had the resources to to invest in it.、Um, and that's actually one of the real reasons that we feel、uh, 
obligated and increasingly obligated to make sure that the resources of Root and Branch's pharmacy are available to as many practitioners as, as want it, because we recognize that most people can't do what we did because a lot of people aren't in the position to do it. So you want to use herbs in Spokane or in New Orleans or in Oklahoma somewhere, you can order them online from us. We'll ship them directly to your patient because I want people to be able to have what they need for their practice and what they want to do because it's expensive. It's crazy expensive to do what we did. And not everyone is in a position to do that. That is so gutsy. <laughs> it comes from a supreme level of self-confidence, Stacey. It does. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. How does that uh, work? Like, one. I don't know. I where don't did know. you get that? Because here's, here's the thing. Know. I don't think you know this about me, but the reason I ended up going to Chinese medical school is because, well, I mean, I always knew I would in my gut, but um, I did massage for a really long time. And then the recession hit in 08 and I had just sold my condo and bought a house. Mm -hmm. And I had, because I didn't know what I didn't know, I ended up having, and I still don't know how this happened, but I ended up having a mortgage plus a HELOC. Oh, yeah. A home equity line of credit. I had yeah, a yeah. double mortgage, basically. And then the recession hit and I got taken under. Yeah. You know, it, it, and could I have, you know, predicted that there would be a recession? No. Like, no. No, there's no, no. way you could have predicted that. No, and I. And no I way you could have predicted it would play out in exactly that way. No, there was no, like, recession. I didn't particularly screw things up so bad that I deserve to go bankrupt and lose no, my house. And that's what happened. And so when you listen to your story, I'm like, Oh, did you pee your pants when the pandemic hit? Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because we, again, back to the initial point from a while back, location, 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 like yeah. we're, in, we're in Portland. Right. Yeah. And the thing about Portland real estate is that Portland real estate is unlike it's it's like San Francisco Good. 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Like we were not underwater on our mortgage. We actually got a really a really great mortgage when we when we got our house. So there was a lot of stuff that was specific to us. Like when I'm looking at the finances and you know, I am uh, in my my four pillars, my my BATSA calculation, I am three of the four are earth dominant, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm also a Capricorn. And well, I have like an, a tendency toward damp accumulation. Like I am the epitome of earth as a, as an element. And so I'm very plotting and very resilient, but also I don't make rash decisions. Like it makes me so uncomfortable. Like I have to roll it around in my mind. Yeah. So I had to crunch these numbers a million different ways to feel like, okay, okay. If the shit completely hits the fan, yeah. like root and branch is gone everything's over. Will Marcy and I survive the mortgage plus our HELOC? And the answer was yes, it would suck. Like I would be working so much at shitty jobs that paid crappy money, but, mm -hmm. but like we wouldn't be homeless. And yeah. so because of that knowledge, I felt confident uh, pulling the trigger and, and really getting in there. I don't know that if it had been different, if I would have felt comfortable doing it. Nonetheless, yeah, I, I peed a little. I peed my pants a little. Yeah, I mean, it's scary, right? I mean, it's just scary. Anybody tells you it's not scary, they're either not paying attention or or something, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's something not not good about it. Um, so, yeah, I again, it's so tricky. People graduate and they have their own circumstances, right? Like, what is your own financial circumstance? What's really possible? 
I think what we did is certainly anomalous. I don't, I, I don't want anyone to think that like, this is how you should open a practice. Um, it was particular to us. It's particular to what we wanted to do. And we had the resources and the capacity to do it. But it is by no means necessary to be successful or to make it or to build a practice. Like it, in no way, shape or form is that required. Well, I think what you did... Um... Okay, so there are a couple of things, and I'll throw it out there, and then you can light it up and, and give a really nice <laughs> We do this well. So um, a couple of things. One, you knew what you wanted to do, and you were inspired by it, and you felt yes. it, and you, you chewed on it, and you, you, you like, there was no way that you weren't going to do this thing, right? Yeah, and so when you, when you feel that way, you will find a way to make it happen. And then when there earth unless it's in your chart that you're supposed to go bankrupt and be screwed that way like it's it's when it when the when the sands under your feet start shifting you're able to figure it out but another thing that you did that i that i really want to point out is really great that i i i didn't realize i didn't learn this until later i think maybe even just recently but i'm reading this awesome book called the power of self-confidence by Mm. brian tracy Nice. And I just got to the chapter where he was talking about that. Like when you're doing something, you really do need to sit down and think through the worst case scenarios of, of what you're about ready to do. And I've never done that particularly. I'm always like, oh, sunshine, let's just keep going. You know, like I've always had the willpower to just keep going no matter what. I'm not a Capricorn, but like I can usually just pull myself up. I'm a survivor of a lot of things yeah. and I yeah. can just figure shit out and keep going. Well, so here's the thing. I I think that a lot of people, so in Chinese medicine, in alternative health fields, the kinds of people that are drawn to what we do often have, uh, I don't know, I've I've struggled to always find a word for this. So I'm going to use a word and I don't mean it to be a harsh sounding, but we are of a softer type than other folks, which is to say not weak or anything, but just our edges are sometimes a little a little soft. It's how we like reach through the chi barrier and touch the Tao and try to do this kind of stuff, right? And because of that, I think that we've really leaned into uh, positivity mindsets. Um, what's the phrase where, you know, you uh, manifest, manifestation. manifest, synchronicity, uh, manifestation. Yeah. Um, if you're not supposed to have it, you're not going to have it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I roll a little bit at manifestation. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Do what you need to do to make you to make you do what you need yeah. to do, I guess, in the end. But I have always been a worst case scenario um, planner. And the reason is because it's like what I said before, a lack of knowledge expands my stress mm-hmm. exponentially. Mm-hmm. And I, I live in a world where I have um, seen, if not directly experienced, some pretty catastrophic choices from friends and family mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. where they were not ready. They didn't have even the semblance of a plan for what they were going to do when it all melts down. And, and there's no way to know that the plan that you build is actually going to help or work at all. But I will feel so much less stressed that I have a thing. Okay, here, it's like, here's the red envelope, catastrophes written on it, tear the seal, what's it say? Like, you well, should good, just... So you planned for this whole crazy pandemic. Right, obviously. I knew yeah. it was coming. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but... And this is actually a good point, though, right? Because you can do all the planning in the world, mm-hmm. and, and you're not going to have plans for everything. But to not have plans for things you could foresee, right? Even just re- really basic things, right? Here's a basic question. Will your business succeed or fail? 
Like that's a, that's a basic question. You should have some answers for what success looks like. Here's four versions of what success could look like. Here's five ways everything could fall out of the bottom. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've got, I've got a way to pivot if it's scenario one, two, three, four, five. Right. Um, and for me, that brings the stress level down. It makes it accessible. It makes me feel like I have some semblance of control, even in situations that are not controllable, right? Like some, some, you know, like you described, you didn't make any decisions in that pre 2007, 2008 collapse that on their face were bad decisions. And yet it caused you a bunch of hardship, right? Mm -hmm. That just is what happened. So you, that's an uncontrollable situation. But for me, you can, you can exact a little tiny bit of human control by having some plans for that or some version of that, right? Potentially. And I throw that word potentially in there. You're not protected from everything and you can't be. And there's a certain yeah. amount of risk that comes with, with everything that we do. But I have found it um, very helpful for confidence, as your book suggests, to have an idea of, of the worst case scenario and to have some basic plan for it. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I hadn't. I really had always been like, well, whatever life throws at me, I can I can climb through it and, and a testament to that. But now I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, you know. That's a really good lesson. Well, you <laughs> know, really we good lesson. I sh and I don't want to sit and think about negative things. That's the no, thing. Like, I don't no. want to be sad about stuff and think, oh, don't make it. But truthfully, well, I, I don't want to fall in any holes anymore either. And, and I don't have and, to. And you don't have to be like, don't dwell on it. Don't be like, oh, God, this is what's going to happen to me. Like, no, no, it's <laughs> it's not predictive. It's planning. And, you know, I tell my patients all the time because I do I do a lot of work with anxiety and insomnia um, and digestion, which of course, as we know, are lightly, you know, intensely tied together. And I'm always telling patients like, try, like, let's work on reducing our reactivity and work on our sort of, uh, planning and presence, right? So we're not just going to react to everything that's happening. We're going to receive it. We're going to process it and we're going to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that for their health, right? So that they can help manage these life situations. And the truth is, is it's good advice um, in my experience in all capacities. Like let's be less reactive and, and let's try and receive information, process it and, and, you know, have a plan. The other, the other piece too, is back on the first thing that you said before we started talking about uh, cat catastrophic ends to your business. Um, it really has stood out to me in the last couple of years, how many, um, even, even people we have graduated with, and definitely people who are still students now in their, in their uh, clinical year, who are really supremely lacking in their own clinical confidence, mm -hmm. and not because they actually don't know anything, but because they've internalized this idea that they need more experience. I need more experience. I can't or more education. That. More education. I need more experience. Yeah, here's the thing. I want more experience. You want more experience. Dr. Greg Livingston wants more experience. Michael Max wants more experience. Huang Huang wants more experience. Like everybody who does this medicine wants to learn more, gather more, be faster, quicker, more adept, more right, more of the time, right? But they call it practice for a reason. And you need to get out there and do it. Like just do it, right? Like I can't, I, I don't know how to say that in a, in a more direct way, except like just go do it, right? Go outside and practice. And you know what? There's going to be some cases that come into your office that you're like, I don't know what to do about that. That seems really complicated. And you know what? You take the thing that's the most obvious. So a patient has like 14 complaints, 
irritable bowel, can't sleep, huge anxiety, long list of pharmaceutical medications, low back pain, ankles mostly broken, can't walk, like long list of stuff. You just pick the thing that's like, if it were a graph, you know, you pick the thing that's the top of the graph, the most intense or obvious thing. And you just bianzong, right? You use pattern differentiation strategies and you treat it, right? And you just start to treat it. And the thing is, you just have to be clear in your communication with the patient, from my point of view, about what's happening here. So patient comes in, you hear this long thing and you're like, okay, I think we might be able to help with your irritable bowel. And that's going to look like this. You're going to come in for six treatments in 10 days or once a week or whatever pattern you're going to use. We're going to give you herbs every week for three weeks. And we're going to adjust the treatment as necessary based on what keeps coming in here every time you come in to see me. And at the end of six treatments, we're going to sit down and chat again. And I'm, we're going to have an honest conversation about what we've been able to accomplish or not. And if we've been able to move the needle positively in one direction, then it's likely that we should probably continue treatment. And if we haven't been able to, I have a long list of colleagues I can refer you to. But there isn't any reason, and this is me now not talking to the patient, there isn't any reason for you to not try to treat something, right? Um, just because it's complicated or just because you haven't seen it before, right? Because that's the coolest thing about Chinese medicine. You have seen damp heat in a lower jaw, right? Maybe it doesn't look like that, but you've treated damp heat in a lower jaw before because remember patterns, not symptoms, right? Is what you're treating. Like I want to pull my hair out. True. Like real talk. Now I want to pull my hair out when I used to be on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore for obvious reasons, but I'd go to like the acupuncturist on Facebook page and I'd be like, what are good mm. points for mm -hmm. urticaria? And I'm like, what? what are you talking about points for urticaria? I just, if it were a table, I just flip it over and just be like, what the hell, man? Pattern symptoms. What's going on? What's the tongue? What's the pulse? Like, and of course that's mostly what people respond. Like, could I get more information please? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people who get uh, bogged down by really complicated biomedicine diagnoses or symptom patterns, but you can with good communication with the patient, begin a treatment process in that stuff. And again, this is our experience. I am sure we could line up people who would argue this point with me intensely. Everybody's got I different think, opinions about I it. I think sometimes I hear uh, more seasoned practitioners, practitioners who've been in longer go, you shouldn't treat that. My 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 second patient had brain cancer. Yeah. And I curled up in a corner and cried for many reasons. You know, not just like it's all about me and I'm crying because I have a patient with brain cancer and that freaks me out to no end. Um, also, it's a sad thing, but but I I spent some time questioning whether or not I should try, and I did, and we had incredible. Um, we moved the needle really well. So, um, why not me? And th it, this isn't really. I think I want to just touch on a topic like you're encouraging these practitioners to get out there and get experience and do the things, but coming from a place and this, and I'm going to tag back because you told me you have great self-confidence. Yeah, it's true. And, and I have not had great self-confidence, even though I think that sometimes I pretend well enough that other people think I have enough self-confidence. And yet you treated someone with brain cancer. Well, so, and, you know, 
Yeah, but what I want to what what I want to say is like I want to speak to that part because I can speak to that part as somebody who has struggled with self confidence often, um, and I do have confidence in a lot of things. I'm not going to say that I'm completely not confident. I also don't want to give the impression though, like so. For example, I've never treated anybody with brain cancer. If someone came into my clinic who had brain cancer, I would in basically no way, shape, or form suggest to them that I could cure their brain cancer right? No, or, no, you're or whatever, part, right? Yeah, we're just here. And we've got a set of symptoms. And I think that we can probably help those symptoms get better. I have no idea what that's going to do to your brain tumor or not. But we can probably help these symptoms. Yeah, like, fair, fair clarification, fair yeah, clarification, it's, it's, because it's I did not treat brain cancer. I was exactly. part of the plan. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but speaking of self-confidence, like, for me, it always goes back to a couple of ways to get through this one, I do have the knowledge. And when I sit down and really think about it, I do have, I freaking, I have ridiculous debt. I have so much college education. <laughs> I have so much in my head. Like you don't sit and memorize all those herbs and every little piece of information that we memorized and come out and say, I have nothing. You have so much. And so I, I, I go from like, when I get nervous, and I even get nervous about doing this podcast, like, who am I to be telling people and to host a podcast? And occasionally this slips through my mind, I have imposter syndrome. But ultimately, I have enough. It's not about me. It's about my ability to channel something and make it better for other people. And I have spent time working on myself enough that that's what's going to come through. And that's what's awesome about even just this podcast. Like I created a space where all of your information can come through and you can help other people. It's the same with treating patients. You you meditate and get out of your own way of, oh my God, I'm not enough to just like, just start and approach it with all the love that you can and help that person get out of suffering and start simple and start where you are. And you are enough. Like we're all, we, we are enough. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, that, I think that's beautifully and elegantly said. Like you are enough. Like yep. who am I? That question, like who am I? You are a human. You are a human And that being, is enough. And that is enough. Like you have an innate level of knowledge and capacity. And then on top of that, on top of being a, a wholly qualified human, right? You're not a ghost. You're a wholly qualified human. You then went to school and you learn things and you open yourself to acquiring and applying ancient knowledge that, remember, thousands of humans, other very qualified humans, more qualified than us, have honed and refined. And then you got given this gift that you internalized, right, and combined that with your wholly qualified humanness. And now you are enough, right? You are enough. And and how how else? This has always been my my refrain. How else are you actually going to get that confidence until you go and try? I mean, honestly, if you're lacking confidence and you follow a person who's an expert for like 10 years, are you certain that after 10 years of following someone around that suddenly your confidence is just going to be blooming? Or are you going to say like, well, I never actually did the needling. I just watched it being done. You know, I never wrote the formulas. I just I, I saw what he what that person did there. But I don't I don't really know. Right. You will know when you go and try, right? I have a and saying for that, yeah. What is no it? matter What's where you saying? go, no matter where you go, there you are. Aha! It's all like you. It. Like you got yeah. it on you. It's it's no matter what's going on, you're still the same 
you. And so you can carry that issue with you everywhere and try and try and feed it and make yourself more. And ultimately what you do when you what you do when perhaps you are seeking further education that's only going to sink you further into debt, even though you're fully qualified to get out and practice, you're just saying, I'm not quite enough. I'm not quite enough. And you know what? You are enough. Like you don't need more. Once you graduate from school, do the thing. Just remember too, that like for the vast majority of Chinese medicine history, this medicine was performed by people who couldn't read. Right. Just, just remind yourself of that. They couldn't read. (laughs) They couldn't write. Right. It was apprentice based medicine and they weren't like, oh, we have this image of like, uh, like the apprentice following around, like the wizened Chinese doctor with a long beard who's like, you know, behold, you know, grasshopper or whatever, you know, semi-dated um, point of view about Orientalism that's out there. Um, <laughs> like this is idea that people were walking around with. And for sure, there were some instances in which that was the case. There were there were patches of students following the master and then the students branched off and sort of that capacity. But that was not the norm, right? China has been a huge place for a very long time. And the vast majority of practitioners practice in isolation or as roving practitioners from village to village, right? They weren't carrying around swaths of students. Some of it was in family, some of it wasn't. And these people were helping as primary medicine for thousands of years with far less information and knowledge than we have now, right? And so you you are enough. We're just going to keep saying that because I think <laughs> I think that it's I think that it's really a valuable thing to internalize. And remember, uh, some days you're going to believe that more than others. That's well, true and for here's everybody. the thing. Here's the thing. Both Travis has offered himself up, and I offer myself up. So if you need to hear that you're enough, you can contact us. That's we will right. Tell you you are enough. <laughs> That's right. I'll set up a really nice message on yes. the, on the voicemail. It'll just be like you are enough, and then <laughs> and then we can actually chat in real life. You can leave too. a message if you need to. Maybe that's all you needed to hear today. Your phone's gonna be like beep beep beep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, I think. Uh, We have hammered down quite a bit of information here for everybody. Probably, hopefully nobody's overwhelmed, but more full, belly full. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to say to the new practitioners other than you are enough? Yeah, I think sort of just supporting that idea is also to not, don't give in to the the fear that you don't know about business or that you're not a business person. I really want to highlight that. I hear that a lot. Like I just, Ooh, uh, numbers, mm, not me. Hey, look, that wasn't me either. Okay. Like I literally have two bachelor's degrees in languages. I lived in France. I like croissants. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't a, uh, I wasn't a quote business person. Um, but it's knowable. It's learnable. It's accomplishable. Um, and I think it's really important to remind yourself that you're not any one thing, right? You are a lot of things and you are infinitely adaptable. Absolutely. All right. So Travis Kern, root root and branch. Sorry, we missed Travis Cunningham. Shout out to him. And, um, once again, I will put everything in the show notes for you, all of the mentions and the, uh, links so that you can find Travis and root and branch. Thanks for coming on the show, Travis. Thanks, Stacey. It was great. Appreciate it. So much fun. Thanks. Hey, for those of you that stuck around for the answer, my Futsa was actually purchased from a company that pre-processes the herb for for toxicity. And I had forgotten that. So basically, I just threw it in with everything else. But that was a great prime example of 
checking in with um, your manufacturers or pharmacies when you have questions about your herbs. And what a great opportunity for me to connect with Travis. I want to give a shout out of thanks to Council of Wellness for their awesome and kind podcast review on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, I want to encourage you to go go check out this offer from Root and Branch to open a new account, a new practitioner account, and use that $25 credit. You're going to need to go through the show notes to do that. So check it out. Thanks again, you guys. I hope you have a great week. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.